You are listening to The Exchange. I'm your host, Dr. Lorraine. Hello, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about women on the mission field. And my guest today is Amy Riggle, who has been an Aimer and has been an Urshan College graduate. And she was there when I was there at Urshan College. And so I wanted to introduce her to you and I wanted her to share her story with us. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on today and being on the Exchange Podcast. Thank you for asking me. It's such an honor and a privilege. And hello, everyone. (laughs) Amy, I wanted you to start out with just telling me about uh, and telling the audience about yourself. Where are you from? And I know I mentioned you went to college at Urshan and just kind of just talk about the things that are are uniquely you um, and and, uh, how old you are, any kind of things that you want to talk to us about and let our listeners know. Right. So my name, as you heard, is Amy Riggle. I am 27 years old. I grew up in East Texas, Tyler. Um, I went to public school, then private school. Then I went to a junior college and got my associate in psychology. Mm-hmm. And then I moved on and went to Urshan College. And I started off and I went there for a year and got my certificate of apostolic studies. And then I went on a year to AIM in Namibia. And after I came back and finished up with a bachelor in human services with a concentration in psychology, a little bit more about me personally, I am a fourth generation Pentecostal on both my mom and my dad's side. Mm -hmm. That's kind of rare. Um, But when I think about it, I mean, anybody can be used by God, so it doesn't really, I mean, I'm thankful for the legacy, but anyone can be used. Um, But I've done studies where I've, you know, researched ancestry and things like that. And just getting to hear the stories from my grandparents about how they were one to the Lord and everything. It's just an awesome testimony about my more immediate family. I am the youngest sibling of three. I have an older brother and he's married with two kids. And Mm -hmm. then my sister, she's also older than me. She's married with two kids as well. So I'm the baby of the family. I'm not married, um, but I do not feel the calling of Paul. Some people have asked me that (laughs) like you're 27 and not married, but um, hopefully one day. But anyways, that's a topic for another day. (laughs) Yes. And that's a topic which I've addressed with me as a single woman as well. I get that. But you'll want to tune in because Brother Luami Diaz has done an amazing thing on singles ministry that I'm going to be um, releasing soon. So yes, that is definitely a conversation all its own. But no, I do not feel the call of Paul either or of, you know, Brother Stone King (laughs) or of any of those people that feel feel called to single life. No. I feel like, you know, it, they may, it, the phone may have rung, but it, they got the wrong number, picked it up and said, wrong number. That you, that's not the right, <laughs> wrong number. That's not me. That's not me. <laughs> no, I'm Louis Glass, you know, but anyway, um, yeah, no, I hear that. And so I wanted to go into, and you have a human service degree, which is so cool because I, I also, my human service degree is undergrad is from the University of Arizona. Um, not at Urshan College, but you and I were both at Urshan. 
you were at Urshan College and Urshan Graduate School. So that's again how we how we kind of have have cross, our paths have crossed. Um, so I wanted to go into asking you because you said that while you were there that you did go, you said you were in Africa. So I wanted to talk to you about um, when you started to feel the call to go on the mission field. Like I know that you know some people have seasons that they go feel called to go overseas. Some people feel like they need to be career missionaries. Some people are long-term. Some people, you know, they just kind of just go with what God um, is calling them to do at the moment. But when was the moment that you felt like, I really need to go overseas? God is putting that in my heart. So for me, it was actually when I was 11 years old Mm -hmm. and I wasn't even old enough to be in the youth group, but my parents had taken or part of the chaperone team that took our youth group to NAYC that year. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went with my parents and I'm just like this little 11 year old chilling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And they had the announcements and the promo videos going before the services actually started. So 11 year old me just watching the videos and all of a sudden an SFC video, which now they're moved to mission, but at that time they were still she's for Christ. And that video promotion was playing and how they give money to how they give money to missionaries with vehicles and things like that. And so I saw that white Jeep going through the mud, you know, your traditional SFC promo video or move the mission. And so I saw that. And in that moment, it was like, God spoke to me and he said, that's going to be you going to spread the gospel. And I was like, Oh, me, (laughs) but I was so sure that it was God's voice. And even after we got back home after the trip, I told my mom, I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to be a missionary. (laughs) And, you know, parents are like, okay, calm down. But she was like, okay, let's pray about it. You know, which is the smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was like, let's pray about it. And let's make sure this isn't just a phase that you're going through. You know, let's, let's make sure this is really something that God is calling you to do. And at that time I was kind of irritated because I was like, I know I heard the voice of God, but um, obviously she did have sound advice that I needed to listen to. And so I did continue to pray about it. And obviously I was 11, so I couldn't go anywhere overseas at that time. Mm -hmm. And so later on when I was 18, I started like really heavily feeling that I needed to go overseas. And so I kept praying and God laid Africa on my heart. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, <laughs> um, here we go, Africa. And so I kept looking at mission trips. And at that time, I personally wasn't very acquainted with, you know, what the different mission trips, uh, like next steps with the UPCI and things like mm-hmm. that. And so I did go with an interdenominational organization for two months to the kingdom of Eswatini, which Mm -hmm. back then was actually named Swaziland. They've gotten a country name change since then. Mm -hmm. Um, But during that time, I mean, I just, it's where God really did a work in my heart as far as missions is concerned. And, you know, working with the people and everything. So fast forward, I came back and finished my associate degree after that. And then I went to Urshan College. And then once again, 
God began pressing on my heart and I was like, man, I need to finish college, you know? (laughs) And God's like, okay, just do what I tell you to do. (laughs) And so I felt feeling called that I needed to go overseas again. And at this point I'm feeling I'm going to be this long-term 50 plus year missionary to one country. I just need to figure out what country it is God is calling me to. So that's my mindset at this time. And so I did have a meet. I knew it was still Africa that I needed to go to for my second mission trip. And so I went and I actually had dinner with the Poitresses and the Adams, and they were very kind to me and, you know, kind of talked me through everything and suggested praying about Namibia. I mean, I had never even heard about Namibia. I didn't know where it was in Africa. And so I the first thing I did when I got home is Google it and see where it was. Right. And, <laughs> and so um, I looked it up and then I just began to pray about it. And so I just prayed and fasted and obviously counseled with my pastor and with my parents. And I was like, okay, this is where God is calling me to go. And so I went there for a year. And then after that, it was kind of strange, this big transition that happened while I was there. And even after, because like I said, I thought I was going to be this long-term career missionary. That's going to be in this one place forever. Mm -hmm. And that place is Africa. And then I get back home and God's like, that's not where you're supposed to be forever. Hmm. And so I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so I got back in May. <laughs> yeah. I got back in May of 2018 from Namibia. And then the fall of 2018, I was just praying one day and God dropped two words into my spirit. And those two words were global evangelism. Hmm. And immediately I <laughs> like, Uh, I was writing letters to my pastor at that time. And sometimes I would send messages or whatever, but I told him, I was like, God said global evangelism. I don't know what this means, but that's what he said. (laughs) My pastor's probably like, okay, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I honestly didn't know what that meant. And truly to this day, I'm still trying to figure out pieces of what that means. But along the way, God is slowly bringing some clarification And so that was a big transition in my life, especially, you know, mentally, emotionally, you think you're doing this one thing forever. And then God completely changes your life around and says, no, actually, this is what I want you to do. (laughs) And he always knows what's best for us. Um, But sometimes we don't think so in the moment. (laughs) But then later on, I finished my degree at Urshan And I started working. I became a second grade teacher at a public charter school in Tyler, Texas. So I moved back home Mm -hmm. and it was October of 2020 um, that I was actually on the AIM website. And at that time, I wasn't feeling any kind of call. Oh, I need to go overseas or anything like this. This was just kind of a habitual thing that I normally did and still do sometimes mm-hmm. is just visit the AIM website and look at the different job postings that the missionaries have put on there just to kind of see what different missionaries around the world are mm-hmm. looking for. And, you know, if I have friends who are I- interested in missions and I can answer, help answer their questions or whatever. But so this is just a normal day scrolling on the AIM website, looking at the job postings 
And then I come to Asia. So I click on Asia. I see Bangladesh. I click on Bangladesh. I read it. Well, I didn't read the whole thing. I'll be honest. <laughs> I just kind of browsed over it. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I moved on to the next one, just kept looking. And then I felt something, you know, an impression in my spirit. Okay, go back to Bangladesh. So I went back. I read the whole thing and I'm just thinking about it. Like, I also don't know where Bangladesh is. I'll need to look that one up on the map. Apparently, I needed to stu study geography more. <laughs> Human service major. Things yeah. we, learn. we don't learn those things. <laughs> exactly. And so, so I did look it up on the map and then I just kind of reviewed and then it was just kind of another one of those things. God just said, this is where you need to go. Mm -hmm. And so I, I prayed about it and fasted about it because, you know, you always want to make sure. And then once again, consulted with my pastor and my mentors and uh, my parents as well. And um, just filled out the application. I had already been an aimer before, so I just had to do a change of field this time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to go through the whole thing again. But um, yeah, that's pretty much been my missions experience. I was in Bangladesh off and on a little bit for a year, just had to exit the country every three months for visa purposes. Mm -hmm. But my time on the field was a year. And then I just got back uh, December 26th and I've been here and now I'm teaching first grade again in Tyler, Texas. Okay. Well, do you, are you have plans to go back to Bangladesh or are you kind of just like waiting to see what, what God is going to do next? So after a lot of prayer and fasting, of course, um, I felt called to apply for the next level up in missions. So <laughs> if you're listening and you're not familiar with the levels of the UPCI, as far as like missions is concerned, there's four levels. The first one is AIM, Associate Missions, which is what I was doing. And then the next one is AMP, Associate Missions Program. Uh, they call them Associate Missionaries. That's kind of like the next level up. It just has a few more requirements, but it's still more of like a volunteer status. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the next level up is Intermediate Missionary. And then the next level up after that is Career. Okay. So and so you're yeah. going up to the next one. So that's like the associate missionary. Yes, the okay. associate. And so that whenever I applied for that, it's a minimum requirement of a year. Okay. And so I applied to go back to Bangladesh and be there and serve with the Corbins, who are awesome missionaries. Very cool. And you were there with my friend, Aubrey Staten from Arizona. So I know that you guys were able to work together on the field. So I wanted to go into my next question is um, what was one of your favorite moments or what has been one of your favorite moments so far uh, when you have been on the mission field? I think in general, there are a lot of big favorite moments and then there's some like smaller favorite moments. Mm -hmm. um, and some of these I think would be typical for anyone in ministry when people get baptized or receive the Holy Ghost for the first time or receive that miracle that they've been praying for. Those are all favorite moments. Um, I love teaching. I teach in the Bible school there. I taught in Namibia as well as in Bangladesh. And 
I just love it. And especially when you're teaching students a new concept or you're, you're teaching them about the oneness or you're teaching them about, you know, within that Jesus name baptism or receiving the Holy ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, anything obviously doctrinally related and they don't understand at first, it's like, they've never heard it before, but then all of a sudden a light bulb goes off in their head and you can see it in their eyes and you can see, wow, like they are understanding it now they get it. And I think for a teacher, that's such an incredible moment to witness with students. Um, for a story about a favorite moment, um, I love the crusades. We, while I was there, we had a crusade with brother Jeff Morgan. He led a team and then brother Robinette also led a team. Both crusades were awesome. Thousands received the Holy ghost, thousands of miracles, signs and wonders. And it was such an awesome thing to be a part of. And one particular moment that stood out for me was I was praying with a woman. She had come up and I've taken language classes for Bangla, which is what they speak in Bangladesh. Um, but I like don't fully understand the language. I'm not fluent yet. And so um, this lady came up and she's asking for prayer for something. And she's holding on to her hip. And I know, like, I can see that she's barely walking. Her friends are trying to drag her up there, um, basically by the one leg that she's not limping on. Um so they bring her up there. And so I'm praying for, her, and then it's like, it doesn't work. It seems not that it doesn't work, but you know, the miracle is not visible in that moment. And so, you know, she's not leaping for joy in that moment, whenever her leg was limp. And, um, then she, she grabbed my hand and like, almost like hit it on her head and I was like, oh my goodness, I just smacked this lady, but I didn't mean to. <laughs> she grabbed my hand. And so I put my hand on her head and I prayed for her again. And all of a sudden, like she just started dancing. And so then I grabbed her hand and we just began to worship together and praise God because it wasn't me. It wasn't my laying on of hands. It was God that did the miracle. And I, in that moment, it was just such an awesome thing because I'm worshiping with someone. I didn't fully understand the need, but she knew the need. And at the same time, yes, I also did get to see a visual representation of that come to pass and just seeing God work in someone else's life and someone else's need and then being able to worship with them for the victory that they just received it's just an awesome thing wow that so is that is so great that you were able to witness that and you know that you can say i have been a part of a miracle that god did i didn't just hear about it through some books or somebody else's story like i was there and i help pray with this lady and worship with her. Like what an amazing, not story, but just a, a testimony, an experience. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there are lots of favorite moments. I could spend all day talking about them. Um, but I think, you know, another one is just meeting new people, seeing new souls added to the church, new friendly faces. Um, it's always awesome whenever someone new comes to church, you're like, oh, who is that? And then they're like, oh, I'm going to get baptized. And you're like, oh, yay. <laughs> so, 
you know, um, I think just anytime when we get to be with other people and fellowship in God's kingdom, I think it's an awesome time. So I wanted to ask as a woman on the single woman on the mission field, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Were there challenges? I know, especially because you went into a country uh, that was probably a little bit more difficult than if you had been in a, an, in America, obviously, but also like in a European country, other country. What were some of the challenges that you had? Yeah, so I think in gen- generally speaking, every country is different as far as it goes with, you know, single women in ministry or in missions. Um, and some of those restrictions when it comes to like preaching or teaching, it could just be a missionary preference with their congregation, or it could be a cultural thing, you know, maybe culturally, they're not openly accepting women in that kind of a role. And so, especially with someone who does like me, who does feel the call to preach and teach something like that can be more challenging. Um, Thankfully, I haven't necessarily encountered that in the countries I've been to while the country of Bangladesh is predominantly Muslim. Thankfully, um, the missionaries have set this standard that women can be in ministry and culturally it is accepted Mm. um, within the church, the Christian church that women can minister, they can teach. Um, And so I haven't come across personally that restriction. Um, However, I know that when I was in Namibia, um, there were some areas of the country that the missionaries preferred me not to go to simply because it was more dangerous for a single woman. Mm-hmm. And that's totally understandable. Right. Um, you know, they preferred either a single male or a couple. And when it's a case like that, you know, I understand. Understandable, absolutely. And, Your safety is. Oh, they're not, you know, they don't believe in women in ministry. No, they're just trying to protect you. Yeah. You know, they're looking for your safety. And that makes um, Yeah. Uh, for other challenges for single women, um, something funny, <laughs> just to lighten the air, something funny is marriage proposals. Huh, okay. And you may not think originally, but I guess, I think it's just part of being a foreigner overseas. There's something interesting about foreigners, especially the countries that I've been to, you know, um, Namibia, Bangladesh. It's very obvious that I'm a foreigner (laughs) and that I, you know, that I look different and everything. And so um, there's just some kind of amusement, like I need to propose to this foreign lady. (laughs) And so (laughs) I've been proposed to a few times, (laughs) but um, you just have to, you're like, oh no, um, no, I'm not going to marry you. You don't want to marry me. Really don't. (laughs) And so, but that has been a challenge sometimes. Sometimes it's just downright funny, but other times when they are a little more serious and aggressive with it, it has been a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if it does get to the aggressive, just be aware of your surroundings and let your missionaries know uh, so they can help you handle the situation. Oh, goodness. That, but, that is something definitely <laughs> would have never crossed my mind. But <laughs> so, hey, ladies, if you, you know, are are feeling like you need to, 
marriage proposal, you got to just get on that plane and go to some of those mission fields and that's going to solve that. So, you know, <laughs> but no, I wouldn't recommend that. But Don't do that. Do that. Don't do that. <laughs> so I wanted to know what would be, what would you give as advice to a young lady? If you could talk to a younger you, uh, somebody who your 11 year old you, who, you know, didn't really know, just knew that they had a call of God on their life and felt like they wanted to go overseas. What would you tell young ladies who are feeling the call of God to go overseas? What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? You know, for me, whenever I first started out, like, I'll go back to when I was filling out that AIM application. I think that was really the turning point. And that's when I got nervous and intimidated. And it was like, God, is this really what you're calling me to do? You know, I've heard your voice, but now I'm here filling out the application. And I'm not going to lie, for someone who had never really gone on AIM before, especially for a year or anything, um, like it was just intimidating. And they're asking questions um, about different ministries and what are your talents and what are your gifts? And I remember almost breaking out in tears at one point because I was like, God, I don't have any talents. I don't have any gifts. I don't know how I can be used on the field. And I think there's a stigma as females that we feel like we need to play some kind of instrument or we need to be able to sing well in order to be used in mission in missions or any kind of ministry, honestly. Right. I don't play any instrument and I really don't have that great of a voice. Like you probably don't want me leading the praise team. <laughs> and so like when I was filling out the application, it's like, God, what do I have that I can give to you? Mm. What do I actually have to offer? And he's like, if you'll just be willing and you'll just give me what you have, even if what you have is your hands and your feet and your willing heart. If you will give that to me, then that is what I will use. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that was just kind of a turning point for me because in that moment I had to mentally get past the fact that I thought I was worthless. And I thought that I could not be used in missions or in ministry. Mm -hmm. And then God saying, Hey, I will use you. Just give me what you have. Even if you have empty hands, just give me those hands and I'll fill them up with stuff. But um, I think as far as that is concerned, my advice would be don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated by the process. Um, and also just pray about the gifts and talents that God has given you. For me, I love teaching. Um, I love speaking or, you know, preaching. Um, I have administrative talents that I've discovered that I never really knew this is an administrative talent. I never knew that before, but after working with the Bible colleges and things like that, I realized I really do have this particular talent, um, that God has given me. And so just pray and ask God, God, what gifts and talents have you given me and how can I use them for your kingdom? Yes, and that's so, amazing. And that's think, a true thing is that we feel like we're inadequate, but you on this journey, you have found God has shown you all of the things that you 
can do and all of the gifts that you didn't even know that you had, which I think is pretty incredible. Yeah. And so my two words are of advice would be surrender and follow. Surrender and follow. That's good. Surrender and follow. So I wanted to ask, and this is kind of an off the cuff question here. And I was just wondering, because I know that you, you know, graduated from Urchin College, how has that education helped you? And I know that not everybody that goes on AIM is going to go to Bible college. Not everybody needs to go. But for you in particularly, how has having that human service degree helped you on the mission field? I think it's looking back, it's helped me in more ways than I understood in that moment. Um, I think especially with the human services degree, yes, we have that core of apostolic studies. And so, of course, that's helped with teaching in the Bible school and things like that, just giving me a deeper understanding so that I can better teach the students. But as far as the human services degree specifically, that has a lot of counseling, psychology classes. And so... I would say that's helped me in working with people in the church, um, especially, you know, like multicultural psychology and multicultural counseling and things like that. Working in the church, working with people, um, how to minister to people when they're going through a certain situation that I may have never been through. I don't understand culturally. Um, and so I think that it's helped in a lot of those areas where if I hadn't had that particular education, then maybe I wouldn't have been as much of a help to, in those particular situations. Mm -hmm. Yes, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, and does human services definitely help you with helping people to just deal with everyday needs in the church and just better equips you with that? So I wanted to switch gears and talk about your book because you did write a book, Red Umbrella. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Red, Umbrella. Red Umbrella. Red Umbrella. And I have seen the book. I've seen the cover to that. And so I wanted you to just tell us a little bit about how that book came about. What was the inspiration? And just tell our listeners why this project means so much to you and what it, what were, what are you using it for? And what it what is the purpose? So I originally wrote a red umbrella while I was in Bangladesh. And previously, I've loved writing, you know, for most of my life, I've loved writing, um, coming up with stories, things like that. Um, and I've always wanted to write in books, uh, plural, <laughs> multiple books, but I've always wanted to write them for adult readers. I've never or had never had the desire to write for a um, children audience, an audience of children. Um, and so this was really new for me, but it was like all of a sudden, God just pressed on my heart that I needed to write a children's book. And, so, and in my mind, I'm like, what in the world? Like, okay, I'll write a book, but does it have to be for children? <laughs> and so you know, I'm just praying about it. I'm like, okay, if I do write a children's book, what's going to be the topic? And then all of a sudden, one night, God just gave it to me. And I wrote the whole book in one night, which is actually pretty rare uh, for children's books and or any book, honestly, to just sit down and write it all in one night. It's 
typically a longer process. And I have written a second book. I just haven't published it yet. And that one has taken a much longer process. It's not the in one night thing, but this just happened to be something that God did in one night and he just gave it to me word after word. And I just wrote it out. And after it, I just, I just kind of sat back and I was like, wow, look at what God just did. Cause this wasn't me. I felt like I was just typing the whole time. I don't even know what I was typing, but God just used me. He placed it on my heart and he used me to get it out. And I think that it's something that could be very beneficial to children as well as adults, um, children, parents, even single people. Um, the book is about a little girl who her grandmother is sick. And so her parents have to move to a different city to take care of her grandmother. And so she has to switch schools. She has to get new friends. And so she goes through all of these transitions and day by day, it raindrops just start pouring on her and it gets harder and harder. And so when people ask her how she's doing, she's like, I'm fine. Everything's great. But when she lies, it starts to pour even harder because she's bottling up all of these emotions. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of the book, her parents sit down and both parents sit down and have this conversation with her. And they're like, hey, you know, what's going on? Is everything okay? And then they talk to her about it and talk to her about a healthy way to deal with it. And they bring scripture into it. Um, and then basically it's called a red umbrella because it's an umbrella of peace. Because God doesn't always take away the rain. Sometimes we have to go through things for a while. But when we're going through our storm, God can give us an umbrella of peace as we walk through it so that we won't get wet. We still have to walk through the rain, but he can cover us while we're going through it. And so it's good for children to learn how to deal with their emotions in a positive Christian way. And it's also, I think, good for parents to learn, hey, this is a healthy way that we can teach our children how to deal with emotions. Even if you read this book, it could be a conversation starter parents or in a child who have been going through something or some recent transitions within the family. Um, there was just a testimony from the book. It, I only had the proof copy of the book at this time, but then I brought it in to show uh, my mentor at church. And she happened to be sitting with someone else who was going through a rough time. And she was like, oh, we needed this book. <laughs> she had already read the story previously, but so she just grabbed the book from me and she began to read it to the woman who was going through a rough time. And so she's just reading to her and she's reading about, you know, the umbrella of peace as we go through the storm and how God takes care of us. And then the woman just began to sob. And that's, it's like, that's exactly what she needed in that moment. And it wasn't, oh, you need to stop crying. Like everything's going to be okay. You know, God's going to take it all away. It's okay, we're going through something right now, but we can pray and God's going to give us peace during this time. And he's going to cover us while we walk through the storm. And so um, that's kind of where this book and as well as the next book that I've written, um, I want them to be ways we can help healthily deal with emotions from a Christian and apostolic background. I noticed that there was a need 
as well for children's apostolic children's books. Um, I went to Barnes and Noble the other day and there were a lot of Christian children's books, but then again, a lot of them had the Trinity in them. And so um, just and a source for parents to go to that is under apostolic doctrine and, you know, oneness and everything that they don't have to worry. Oh, I'm going to have to filter out these parts of the book Mm -hmm. to try and explain this to my kid or, you know, whatever, but that's kind of where it came from. And, um, I think, you know, God's kind of got me on this track to write more books and I'm excited about it. Like I said, I wasn't at first. (laughs) Um, I still hopefully plan to write some books for adults, adults later on in life, but, um, this is where God has me now. And so this is where I'm going to follow. Well, that is, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the human service degree coming out in this book. And so that has definitely been a, a blessing for you in this because you, you know, and it, it's needed. It's so needed. And you're right. We talk about how a lot of books about, um, you know, mental health and emotions for adults, but we forget that there are children who are, who are struggling. So I love that you saw a need that God placed a need in your heart to write something where there was no resources. And so, and I think it's great that you're writing a second book. So, I mean, that, that is tremendous, Amy. I'm, I'm so excited because I definitely want to get this for my nieces and nephews um, who are under the age of 10. So that is pretty cool. Very, very cool. So I wanted to ask in closing, um, so you mentioned, and this book, because we are going to put it on the on the web on the website. So when the podcast comes out, we will put a link in there. So if anybody wants to purchase Red Umbrella, you will know where to get it for you, for your kids, for your family members, um, anybody who you feel like needs this book. But uh, is this book? Is this something? I'm I'm assuming, and I could be wrong. Is this helping you to go back on the mission field? Is this what this book is for? Okay. Yes, that's correct. So all of the profit from A Red Umbrella and any of my other books that I write, it all goes towards supporting any work that I do on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not personally taking any profit from this and doing anything with it. With my personal funds, it's strictly going towards helping me get back on and stay on the mission field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful, Amy. I'm I'm so happy for you. And I, and when you said you'll probably be going, because I know you're teaching right now, um, so looking like probably this coming year, the summer, the fall. What what is that kind of looking like for you going back on the field? So that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure that I completely have the answer at this time. Um, I try to make five-year plans and, you know, things like that. But I always say that I have a plan A and a plan B. And I do my plan. My plan B is to make the five-year plan. But my plan A is to follow God step-by-step and whatever he tells me to do in that moment. And so um, at this time, there are certain plans that I have, but 
they are, I know, subject to change. It also depends on when the funds come in um, mm-hmm. for my next mission trip as well, back to Bangladesh. Um, but I try to live along the motto of following the direction of peace. So wherever God takes me step by step, that's where I want to follow. That is that is what that is a good motto to have. Just be walking in peace wherever God is showing you peace and you feel that, then that's what you want to be where you want to go, the direction that you want to go. So I am so thankful that you were able to spend some time with me today. And I know that everybody who is listening to this podcast is going to be incredibly blessed and encouraged because, you know, sometimes we just don't think that we're good enough, that we're able to do it, you know, have questions about how can we do this? And, and so I think that you've answered so many questions and, and what amazing testimonies that you have and, and life experiences that you have from being out on the field. So I appreciate you, Amy, so much. Thank you for being on the Exchange podcast. And we are going to definitely support you on your uh, endeavor, getting you back on this field. And so all of our listeners, buy the red umbrella and anything else she writes. So our author, Urshan College graduate (laughs) and missionary. Thank you so much, Amy. God bless you all. Thanks. God bless.